Friday was September 14th, and and that day in the church calendar is called Holy Cross Day. And many churches gather to, to celebrate that occasion. And the scriptures appointed for the day do, in fact, talk about the cross. Um, The themes of that day especially lift up the triumph of the cross, the the victory of the cross, the, the power of the cross. In fact, one name for that day on the church calendar is the exaltation of the Holy Cross. And so the scriptures appointed for that day, in fact, do talk about Jesus who was lifted up from the earth and will draw all things and all people and the whole creation to himself. And so the church venerates the cross and sings of its power, the the cross of Christ, its power over evil and death, its power for good and life, its power, you get the idea. It's a good day. It's a holy day, but it can cause problems if we go a little too far down that road. We don't have to look far in church history, present or past, to see examples where the cross has been held up high as an instrument of power, but more as an instrument of domination, as um, a weapon almost as a battering ram or a hammer uh, to put people into a place where they can see things the way we see them, where they can agree with us. That would be to take Holy Cross Day to an extreme. Uh, The scriptures today continue with this idea, this theme of a holy cross, a cross of power, but they give us more to think about in terms of what kind of power the cross holds for each of us. The scriptures today point us to the the cross of Jesus Christ, but show us how that cross helps us to know God more deeply, not so much through power, but through humility. The practice of taking up our cross involves just that, a kind of humility. Humility as it allows for learning, as it, it allows for loving, as it enables us to follow God's will. To take up our cross and follow Jesus involves learning. We heard about this in some of the scriptures These scriptures perfectly timed for the the Sunday after classes begin in New York City for so many. Isaiah says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher so that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning he wakens, wakens my ear to listen as those who are taught. In other words, God has already invited Isaiah to a place of humility. God has invited Isaiah to a place of realizing that Isaiah, as smart and holy and wise as he is, doesn't know everything. That Isaiah even can still be taught. He can still learn. He can still be surprised. He can still be expanded by God and made larger. And so God teaches Isaiah Even more, God gives Isaiah what Scripture calls the tongue of those who are taught, which is to say a a tongue that thinks before it speaks, a tongue that wonders where God is in this or in that. 
a tongue that tries to be slow in its criticism of others and, and tries to be quick in encouraging others. Such a careful, thoughtful, discriminating tongue is, is what James is encouraging in our second reading today. James says, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. In wonderful language, James asks, how great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is such a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, James says, can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species, but no one can tame the tongue. And so if we take up our cross, if we participate in the life of Christ as he calls us in this world, it's going to affect our tongue It's going to affect what we say and how we say it. This might lead us to speak to people we normally would not speak to. Taking up our cross and watching our tongue might lead us to speak up for people. Or this would be another kind of humility of not thinking of ourselves as necessarily better than others. On the other hand, if we remember that this has to do with humility, that following in the way of the cross is a humble thing, we can remember that the definition of humility is to be grounded, to be right-sized. And so sometimes that means for someone to have an expanded view of themselves and to find their tongue and to begin to use it for God's love and God's good. Maybe God wants you to speak up more. Taking up our cross involves learning, but it also involves loving. The whole letter of James is really a long love letter, trying to help people understand that taking up one's cross is not only an intimate, sweet, warm feeling of being close to God, but but it's also fire in the belly. It's an uneasiness in the heart. It's a refusal to call it peace and justice until it is peace and justice until the neighbor is fed and housed and cared for. Taking up our cross daily has to do with learning, with with loving, but it also has to do with our being able to follow God's will, to follow God's lead. Sometimes uh, people will refer to the cross that they're called to bear, But if we look closely, sometimes it's a cross of our own choosing. We've decided this is our cross, and so look at me and the cross I'm bearing. Perhaps it is a cross of my own invention or my own making. But sometimes we can identify with it overly. We can say, this is my cross, stand back, I've got it, I don't need any help. The cross of Christ is one that may feel heavy at times, but if we look around, we can ask for help. That's what being a part of the church means, asking for help and offering it when and where we can. 
In today's gospel, St. Peter is confused by Jesus for this reason. Jesus is changing the plan, or maybe doesn't even have a plan. And, and Peter has decided what is the plan, what is the cross to bear, what is the direction to go in. And Jesus scrambles all of that and says, Not so fast, Peter. It's far different than you might imagine. The plan is in the mind and the heart of God. It's unfolding in God's own good time. And so the way forward is one of humility, one of not knowing, one of being open to learning, open to loving, open to following where God leads. When I think of the various crosses that can represent our faith, um, I think of many. I think of the crosses on and around this building. I think of our, our icon that shows a cross that, that's living and involves lots of people. But especially this week, I think of that, um, that iron cross found in the wreckage at 9-11. And just a day or two after September 11th, 2001. You've seen that cross. You may have even touched it. It's now in the museum, the 9-11 memorial. But that cross, the first day, the first few hours, the first few days, um, didn't represent power so much as it did humility. Um, A gathering point, an acknowledgement that we are in this together We are all of us, flesh and dust. We are all of us, mortal. We are all of us, dependent on the love and the care of God. Of course, a few days after that cross and all other crosses became weapons and battering rams to pound other people into our way of thinking. But there's still that ability to reclaim the true power of that cross and other crosses. The power of a cross to unnerve, um, to to, to undermine, to, um, to, to bring about change from within. Uh, to remind us of what we have in common, that we are created for love. We are created to love one another. On Holy Cross Day, there's an, there's an ancient um, chant uh, that sings, We venerate your cross, O Lord, and praise and glorify your holy resurrection, For by virtue of the cross, joy has come to the whole world. By virtue of the cross, joy has come to the whole world. The quiet, steady joy that comes through humility. By moving with the humility of Christ's cross, by learning, by letting God take the lead, by loving, the joy of the cross of Christ continues to move in our world. May we move with it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.